Hello and welcome to Cast Teacherly, the podcast for all educators across the world or for anyone passionate about education. I'm your host, Asha Matani, and I'm dedicated to bringing you a wide variety of guests to talk about all things education. So stay tuned and I hope you enjoy this episode. Realistically, what is it going to do for us? How is it going to help us? And, you know, if I'm looking for an application and I'm going to pay for it, I want to know that it saves my teacher's time. It saves them on marking. It helps them to inform what they're learning and what they're teaching children and the productivity of their classroom. And I think that as a leadership team has to be the biggest question. It can't just be, oh, signing off another app. It has to be what, when, why, how. Welcome back to a new episode of Cast Teacherly. This is Ashna, your host, and today I'm joined with my new Twitter friend, Philippa Raithmill, Director of Digital Learning. Thank you so much for joining us today, Philippa. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm good, I'm good. It's half term, so feeling much more relaxed than normal. Good break to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. I'm so glad to hear. I think teachers really deserve any time off this year. Absolutely. No, I definitely think teachers need a, a little bit more of a break from what they've been having to deal with recently. The amount of effort that has been put in by the education sector in the last 12 months has just been absolutely outrageous. It's incredible. It really is. It's, it's out of this world. Like I, I watch videos and I see tweets and it's really on another level. I, I can't even begin to imagine it. But Philippa, today we're going to be talking about technology and a little bit of gender. So before we start off our episode, I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit more about what you do currently as Director of Digital Learning and kind of how you started off your journey in education. Thank you. Okay, so at the moment I work for a school in Abu Dhabi. We're rated outstanding and it was International School of the Year a couple of years ago as well. I specialize in terms of in-school, in digital learning and teaching and learning and how we can link the two together. And part of what I do is make sure that everybody's infrastructure and, and the ecosystems that are being used within a school are the most relevant and in line with their educational ethos and what they're trying to get out of the students and support them with. For me, that means making sure it's the right device for what they want to get out of education, but also about not overwhelming students with ed tech that's not necessarily as kind of valid or or there's no real reason for it. That's one of the things that I kind of, and we can talk about it later, but it's one of my passions is kind of making sure that it's the right thing and it's not just the new flashy thing. So that's my day job. And then aside from that as well, I also run EdTech UAE, which is a chat that happens monthly with educators across the UAE and actually much further afield than just the UAE, which is incredible. There's about 160 people that are now signed up to it. And we have chats about things that are going on in schools. We support one another and just basically making sure that there is a support network for all different educators in different types of schools. Because for some schools, EdTech is really new and it's something they've only really had to dive into because of COVID. And then these kind of things are being changed now. So those roles are being integrated into schools and it's, it's about helping and supporting people to make sure that they have everything that they need and just feel empowered to be able to do their job to the best of their potential. And then as well as that, I'm co-founder of We Edu, which is a women's network for innovation and integration of technology, but also just about education generally, about integrating and innovating throughout the, the system. And that, again, is, is a, just a support network for women. And it's about being able to find jobs for people, about 
empowering them with writing their CVs, about putting connections together, about collaborating on projects, and again, just supporting people through that. And then finally, <laughs> I am also the... I think I'm trying to remember the title of it now, but I, I support GoBubble. I am their lead educator, which is an online safer internet for students who are under the age of 13 because social media legally is not meant to be for under 13s because there is inappropriate content on there that potentially they might not be ready for. And so it's a kind of an alternative, safer internet. It has an incredible algorithm which spots all kinds of bullying. It also picks up on things like kindness and rewards students for positive online behavior. And it's kind of like the training wheels, getting people ready for being able to be online as part of their normal everyday life, which as we know, is such a huge part of the world now. So yeah, so that's kind of, that's what I do. And I've been teaching for 11 years now, mainly in the UK. And I moved over to the UAE four years ago. Wow. Awesome. Very exciting. I I love your journey. It's a little bit of everything. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely been a massive journey. I think four years ago when I arrived, I hadn't really worked with EdTech as much as I do now. And it's definitely something that's so different about being here. You know, becoming an Apple Distinguished Educator was a real like empowering moment for me. And it just sort of really entwined what was important and what needed to be changed in education. Yeah, definitely. And so how did your journey with EdTech kind of begin or your passion for technology per se? So I teach design technology as kind of my main subject. I always will go back to that. And one day I kind of hope to sit in a textiles lab somewhere, just kind of making things. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I started off as a design technology teacher. That was 11 years ago. And then when I moved across to the UAE, it was all a bit different. And technology in terms of design technology was not necessarily in every school. And so when I moved to Repton, I became the head of computing. And that was when I kind of first started teaching primary. And so that was when I would start teaching coding and and computing to things like year threes, year twos, and all the way up to year 10. So it was a totally different kind of outlook on education altogether. And it really made me have to kind of reevaluate what I was doing and how I taught. And also just to learn a whole new level of, of information that I needed to then obviously support the students to understand. And actually, EdTech and robotics made that really easy because it was fun. And so playing around with a robot to understand how to code was way more fun than perhaps learning how to teach maths. And actually, then it was entwining that with my design technology background, which was all about looking at Steam and being able to develop it. So I'd have robots that would be designing pieces of artwork and I would create these huge kind of breakout zones where where the whole, basically the whole academic year led to these whole school vertical projects where they would work in their house teams and they would understand by putting into a a real concept what robotics was for. And I think with many educators, things like, why would you fly a drone in your classroom? Like a lot of students, especially here, they have one, they play around in the garden, they put it in a box and they don't use it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, we all have drones. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, how many, seriously, you know, people, it's even, it's like remote control cars when we were kids. Like we have one or two, you play with them for a day, you put it away, you forget where the remote control's gone and that's it. And so for me as a teacher and a parent as well, it was like, hang on, I need to understand why they would need to learn this in a school that was incredibly forward thinking and very coding based and very coding and STEAM curriculum driven, which was incredible. 
but you still have to make that connection. So for me, these breakouts and these big kind of projects where they would all work together with students who are older and younger than them was allowing them to kind of look at it in a different perspective. So all of a sudden, the first one, if I give you an example, was the Isles of Reptonia, where there were four islands. They were all identical because every house would work on a different one. And all of a sudden, the drones were dropping resources for civilians who were part of a tsunami. And the Sphero would come along and it would be going onto the desert side as a boat. And it would have to go across part of like somewhere where there perhaps had been a volcano or there was a an earthquake disaster. So there were all these scenarios built up in terms of why would we use AI? Why would we use robotics? What are we actually teaching kids? And it was that concept that at the moment we might play with it, but out there in the world, this is what people use it for. They drop medical supplies, they drop food, they drop resources. They go and scan parts of the world to see if they're livable, if they're habitable, to see what kinds of animals are there. Like this is real. And so it became this real tangible experience for students. So I think I did, I've done four of them now. I actually was so overwhelmed last year because I won an award for one of them. Oh, wow. Incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. It was like, honestly, one of the proudest moments because for me, it was about watching the students have this experience where it was really relevant and they were it was all based around app development but they went to art they went to music they went to English they went to science and they did all of these different mini projects and they were all timed they only had a morning to do it they did a breakout where they used the robotics and they had to use all their digital skills to combine them together to create something and pitch it and they were pitching it to real people like we had the head of Apple education there and we had people who were really relevant in, you know, in industry for them to be speaking to. And I just find that that, and it's the same whether it's ed tech or not, whether it's robotics or not, I find education has to be relevant and, and we have to make it relevant for students because otherwise, why would they want to do it? Um, we can't just expect them to want to do it because they've been told they have to go to school. We should be inspiring them and, and helping them to hook into it and understand it and see where it could take them so yeah that was that was like four years ago and that was where and then 12 months ago I moved over to Cranley and we rolled out our three-year plan in nine months Uh mainly due to COVID so they are now one-to-one as well and they're set up with an incredible ecosystem I've got a brilliant team that I work with there and we've really reduced and scrapped back and clawed back and and we really empower teachers to teach through EdTech instead of relying on ed tech to teach yeah that makes complete sense and I I love that journey I love that story it's incredible and so for all of our senior leaders or head teachers that are listening right now how can they go about in a better or a different way in selecting the ed tech products that they use in their schools so again it goes back to what is driving that school specifically I think there are some really great very kind of I don't want to say generic because that sounds the wrong word but like so for instance one of the projects that I I was talking to you about earlier which is the artificial intelligence uh, driverless vehicle I use something as simple as a Sphero which can be used on any device and robotics that can be used on anything are great for schools that perhaps are BYOD but also perhaps those ones that are not necessarily working on one specific device. It also allows them to have much more life to them. For instance, if you decide to change what you're using as your core hardware, you still have those robotics that will work. So it's looking for things that work across all the platforms. 
in terms of software for teachers, I think we really need to be looking at what do we always use? What have been the core staple things that we use every day? Even you and I, you know, I grew up using PowerPoint and presentations like that. Actually, they are still part of life. And if we can teach students from a young age how those work and what to do and the real subtle differences between, you know, Apple and Microsoft and Google and, and all the other places, actually then we're setting them up with a really great foundation. And then from there, what you can't do with those different applications. So, you know, things like I use animation in keynotes, not something I ever thought I would use a presentation tool for. You know, I use my device to make my own videos, but we could easily be using, you know, TikTok or whatever. And actually, so it's it's about working out simply without spending an absolute fortune what your device can deliver for you for free. And how many of those applications do you now not need? Because actually you can do it on those platforms already or on the device that you're using already. And then it's going, okay, so now what else do we need? So we've got this base, we've got this core of our kind of ecosystem of learning, but we're missing a language app or we're missing something that can help us to teach Islamic studies or we're missing something for geography, et cetera. And then that's where you kind of go. And I mean, we're quite harsh in some ways at our school because it's very much like, why do you want it? How much is it going to cost? How much are we going to be able to get back from this? How many departments can use it? How many year groups can use it? And how much data are we giving to that company about our school and about our students? And also on the flip side, how much data is it giving us? Because will it take time away from the teacher's job? Will it increase their productivity? So there's just so many levels of questioning that you need to do behind a platform. And it's incredible teachers will go, oh, I found this app. It's brilliant. But a lot of the time when people are not informed or questioned about it, It's because someone else has used it and they said it's great. And that may well be brilliant, but realistically, what is it going to do for us? How is it going to help us? And, you know, if I'm looking for an application and I'm going to pay for it, I want to know that it saves my teacher's time. It saves them on marking. It helps them to inform what they're learning and what they're teaching children and the productivity of their classroom. And I think that as a leadership team has to be the biggest question. It can't just be, oh, signing off another app. It has to be what, when, why, how. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that must be so valuable to all of our listeners, because I think in a world where there's so much ed tech and there's so much happening, it's it's overwhelming and it's difficult. Like you want what's best for your students all the time, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, and that's it. It's, it's what's best for students. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to lean our conversation a bit more now towards gender and we ed you. So would you mind telling us a little bit more about, I know you said that it's women who innovate, integrate and educate, and you guys support each other with jobs and CVs and things like that. But tell us a little bit about also the first meeting you guys had yesterday. Yeah, we did. Oh, it was amazing. So Yesterday, we didn't have, obviously, everybody that we would have liked to. It was a bit of ad hoc, but we've been trying to plan a get-together for such a long time. So Linda Parsons, who is at Digital Linda on Twitter, incredible woman. She's absolutely just innovating the country as well at the minute. She's brilliant. She rang me in in the summer and was like, look, I, I really think you and I could make a difference. She also has a friend, Shazia Steed, who is in Qatar. And so we connected along with Victoria James from Bet Middle East on this kind of project to basically shout out and say, look, women are here and it's really hard in this industry to progress without support. And sometimes we will meet incredible, inspiring people who will help us along the way, but Unfortunately, in the Middle East and and across the world, 
the majority of people in leadership, especially in senior leadership and secondary schools, are male. And so it's about kind of empowering people to say, you know what, actually, I want to be part of that as well. Or actually just wanting to be empowered within their own classroom and feel like what they're doing is is the right thing. And, and it's not necessarily, you know, we're not going to hope, well, I hope we will one day, but we're not, you know, going to shake up everything and make it all different. And it's not about not having men, <laughs> but it's about kind of giving that, you know, you're not having to walk into a boys club room where it's kind of like everyone knows each other and they're all pally pally and you're trying to get your edge in and, and say, look, I'm here too. And so actually having this women's network is about being able to say, you know what, like what you're doing is incredible. Let's highlight that. Let's share that with the world. Let's shout out about you because you're doing really great things in in whatever specifically it is you do. And for me, that was really important because I, especially throughout my educational career, you know, I've written my kind of We Edgy story, which is all about, you know, being locked in a cupboard and being told that that was where I had to express milk for my baby, not being given, you know, the kind of time of day by my senior leadership team. And, you know, that was back in the UK quite a long time ago, but it's still that case of I didn't feel empowered enough by anyone I worked with to say, actually, this is really making me feel uncomfortable and I don't like it. And since sharing that story, I've had other people say, I was put in that same position and I felt the same. Like I couldn't say, this is wrong. And you know, this is where you work. This is where you go to work every day and you should feel supported. And so it really is, that's why it's kind of much more about the support network of this. Even if it's sharing a story and just saying, I just needed to get it off my chest and say this happened. And then looking at the global picture, we really want to go into kind of mentoring and coaching and we want to be able to support people and also support schools to put in, mentoring systems and start to kind of build that development for everybody. I was really lucky when I was at Repto, there was very much a very much coaching kind of ethos there, which was brilliant from what I've been hearing for the people you don't get a lot in schools, which I find quite strange to be where we are now and finding that people are not wanting to share and talk and and hear out their colleagues and and friends. and, And I think that's really sad. So that's part of what we're kind of trying to get towards really and I mean on other sorts of things as well like in terms of of me as a leader like I'm I'm 34 years old but I'm a senior leader and and actually that questions the norm of what's going on because people will say to me oh but you're so young and your children are so young you should go and look after them and I'm like well hang on a minute yeah my my husband is at home and he looks after them and he helps support and we co-parent like quite equally actually we both work but you know I'm kind of what you would suggest is like the breadwinner so would you say that to a man and that's the kind of question is if I was a man would you say that to me or would you be saying to me why haven't you applied for that deputy headship or why haven't you and I'm not sort of saying I don't want to spend time with my children I spend a huge amount of time with them and I think they're wonderful people (laughs) It's kind of, why should I not show them that also women are able to be in leadership and able to empower and able to make change and be somebody for them to look up to as well? And that's something that that kind of needs to be changed really in education. And yes, of course, for your kids, but also for the students. Like I remember when I was a student, I was a bit nervous or apprehensive to get into the education industry myself because I was like, I don't know. I'm a girl and I'm a, I'm a brown girl. I don't know how far I'll make it or if I'll make it or what if my salary isn't that great. And it, it transferred onto me just by seeing the way my teachers were treated or the way the school was structured. So 
it is, it is quite impactful to many people in society. Exactly. And those, I mean, those just shouldn't be questions that anyone even thinks about. You should just be, yeah. you can do and be whatever you want to be. And kind of say like, as long as you're kind and nice and professional, like why do you not have the opportunities that everyone else has? And, and, you know, and also equally, why do the men have to get like my, you know, there are men who want to be at home with their children. There are men who want to, and that's fine as well. And we shouldn't frown upon that. And we shouldn't assume that because a man is a teacher that he then will go to be an assistant, a deputy head, and then a head teacher within before he's 40 because he's a man. Actually, he may want to go, you know what? I'm 30 odd and I've just had my first baby. You know, I'm going to take a year. I'm going to do this. And my wife is going to go and do X, Y, and Z. And you know, and I think that's really important that we just have that balance and it's not about, you know, the rise of women. It's just about gender equality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that. And I think you've been so inspiring on, on this episode, Philippa, but unfortunately that is all the time we have for today. But thank you so much for being a part of Cast Teacherly. I'm in absolute awe of all of these amazing things you do. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful talking to you as well. No, it's been such a pleasure and I'm sure all of our listeners have really appreciated it. And if they were interested in connecting with you or finding out more about We Edu, where could they do that? So We Edu is at We Edu on Twitter and we also have an Instagram, which is also at We Edu. And I am at Mrs. Wraithmel. And I also have a website called designedtoteachdigitally.com. Perfect. And I'll be sure to link all of that in the description. So if any of our listeners are interested, they can check it out. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Cast Teacherly, sponsored by Teacherly. If you're looking for a lesson planning platform with an abundance of resources for teaching and professional development, be sure to sign up at www.teacherly.io, where you can get a free account. And also be sure to subscribe to Cast Teacherly for more episodes. And if you want to be featured on an episode, feel free to reach out to me on ashna at teacherly.io or contact me via LinkedIn or Twitter at Ashna Mathani.